Hello, and welcome to this Tulsa edition of the Low Key Podcast. Now, if you don't have your Low Key swag, go to www.lowkeypodcast.com and get a sweet t-shirt. Now, without further ado, the Heirloom Rustic Ale Crew. It's nice, it's easy, it's low key. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Low Key. I'm here with Zach and Melissa. Hi. Yep. Hello. From um, Heirloom Rustic Ales. Right. So, very excited to have you guys on. I was really excited um, when you guys first opened, because you guys have a cool space, and I was kind of creeping on you guys, driving around, and I was like, oh, when is it going to open? <laughs> but I saw you on social media, and you finally had your grand opening, and it was really right. cool. So, I'm excited that you guys are in Tulsa. Thanks, well, yeah, yeah, we're excited to be here as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what excites you guys about like being in Tulsa? Well, honestly, we Tulsa's always been our second home. I'm originally from Oklahoma City and Zach's from Tahlequah. And Tulsa's always been a city that we've embraced because of the people, because of the things that are here. I think it has great culture. Um, and when we moved here three years ago, we decided this was it you know this is our home we should we should make it yeah I think for me well I'm from the Cherokee Nation over in Tahlequah Mm -hmm. uh, and then I lived with my wife uh, in Oklahoma City for about a decade and I was like okay if we're gonna stay in Oklahoma let's move to Tulsa because I'm partial to green country because I was always cycling mountain biking road bike riding and I felt like Tulsa had a bigger cycling scene um, so I was like, let's move to Tulsa, and that was the time I was really into beer, and, uh, so I was like, well, if we're not going to move out of state, you know, like a lot of people in their late 20s, early 30s, like, oh, let's move to Oregon, or move to Colorado. Yeah. Like, no, let's try to do the things we like to do, and, um, create a home for that here. Well, there already is a home, um for a lot of different things, cycling, coffee, beer, whatever, you know, we're into or I'm into, like, well, let's just do that here in Tulsa and um, try to add to the community for the things we like Yeah. and just try to incorporate that into locals, the local area we live. So instead of moving out of state and, yeah, so. It's it's very exciting to see um, more businesses or breweries like this opening up because it's giving Oklahoma more of a craft scene. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it is really cool. What are you guys most excited about about the the beer scene in Tulsa? Um, well, probably statewide the legality of how that's transformed with the Senate Bill 424 that passed, I think in 2016 or went in, into effect September 2016. And then the uh, the last bill that went for a, a vote of the people that goes into uh, goes into effect October two thousand eighteen. Nice. Um, that's just really helping transform things so we can actually have brew pubs and you know serve our beer 
um, across the bar. Um, and with 2018, we'll actually be able to bring children into the to the brewery, which, you know, we're not serving beer to little kids or anything, but it uh, provides a family atmosphere like you see, let's say, in Colorado. Oregon. Yeah. yeah. And so it's not... Um, so that stuff for sure, and then more specifically, beer. There's, uh, man, being here in like the Kendall Whittier area, right next to the Pearl District. There's so much stuff blowing up around here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not all the stuff. Well, now there's Cabin Boys. Chase is doing some cool stuff with uh, American Solera. It's cool that he has a place, kind of within city limits now in Tulsa. Um, you know, Dead Armadillo. Um, Willows, Heath uh, is opening up Willows down on Peoria. Renaissance just opened last week, so, and then nothing's left. There's just so much going on, so that's cool. Yeah. I'm excited to see that. I think it always makes, um, if we weren't already, you know, staying on top of our game or thinking about what we want to do, it helps progression of the beer. Yeah. So, kind of a, it's kind of like back in the skateboarding days. Well, when you're with a bunch of other skaters and trying to do new tricks or, you know, yeah work on something get better and better at it so i think that will uh that's that's happening it's good yeah that it's a really cool see uh thing to see in tulsa because there was normally just like two breweries that dominated yeah for a while and then um and then prairie blew up yeah and then uh and then out of nowhere all these other ones are coming up which is really yeah really cool and exciting um what 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 got you guys to meet, or what's your guys' story? How did you all meet? Because there's three owners. Yeah. Um, and the other one's not on here. I'll give yeah, you. I'll give, yeah, Jake, I'll give you the abbreviated. Jake Miller version. is not here right now. He's over on the brewery side making double IPA for all the uh, double IPA fans. So yeah, that's where he is. So he's about a hundred feet from here, like um, brewing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'll give you the abbreviated version. So uh, Zach and I are obviously married. But, okay. um, yeah. uh, Zach, Shh, don't tell people <laughs> <laughs> we're keeping it low key. Oh. Like that? You like it? No, oh, we're <laughs> coming out to the public now. We're married. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, so we've been together for about 14, almost 15 years. And Zach's always had a love for the craft beer, um, in general, like ever since I've met him since day one, never was really into all of the the other type of beers that Oklahoma was prominently known for. Yeah. Um, and so we always sought out, you know, good craft beer. And um, as we, like, continued on, we met Jake um, through just friends and the beer scene. And Jake and Zach started brewing together um, at home mainly and kind yeah, of home brew. Go- going back and forth between like what they loved and they found out that they loved very similar things the concepts of philosophy and everything like that and he can correct me if I'm wrong but um, I think they knew at that point that we shared a very similar philosophy to how mm-hmm. they we wanted the, the beer to be how we wanted um, moving forward what a concept would look like and um, it happened where Jake left um, to go help open up a brewery up in or- in Oregon. Wow. And we had sat and thought about, you know, opening up something, and we're like, we need to get Jake back, and all three of us should open open up something. And that happened about a couple years ago, I think, almost two years ago uh, at this oh, point. Oh, yeah, close to two years now. Yeah. And um, he said, yeah. And so we, op- we started kind of the path of, you know, building a concept 
and yeah. kind of what we what, what has come out of it is what you can see now, which is, you know, building a tap room and building a brewery that uh, is surrounded by the community. Yeah. We wanted to create a space that people felt at home, mm. but also felt like they, um, not just at home, but comfortable. I think that's the whole concept of feeling like you can have your friends, your family, your pets, and things like that, that you can just hang out and enjoy each other's presence, but also enjoy the beer, you know? And I think, I'll let Zach talk about the beer, but I think that um, the beer helps, and as well as the taproom helps embody that philosophy of our community feel. Um, Try to brew beer that the community in general across the board can love. Yeah. And not just like one group of people, but hopefully all across the board. Yeah, I think the genesis of this like well like she said jake and i were would homebrew he was working at uh prairie oh uh, out west i think avery drive and then we would hang out and brew in the evening like do a lot of wild ales and stuff with local as as local ingredients as we could find um but uh yeah melissa and i've been fortunate enough to travel a lot um in the country and internationally and uh, luckily, she follows. I drag her around and to the brewery. We usually hit up breweries and coffee shops, and so our feeling overall, a lot of breweries have. I mean, the the tap rooms are not not all of them, but a lot of them have cool tap rooms. But a lot of them, it's kind of meh. So, but coffee shops usually have a cooler vibe as far as some place to sit and hang out, and uh, a little more warm and inviting as far as sitting. Sometimes breweries are a little more industrial a little more sterile yeah but um so when we you know we're developing this thought as far as uh, melissa and i were still living in oklahoma obviously we're in oklahoma um we're talking about well we really like you know the coffee shop vibe so we kind of uh, modeled our tap room after something like that yeah and then jake and i were always talking about the beers we love which are um more like saison belgium farmhouse or um, like pilsners and lagers, um, mm-hmm. so we kind of try to have a focus on that, but at the same time have a wide selection of beers for you know majority of people. We, we usually have twelve beers on tap, so try to cover the bases. So yeah, it, it's a very it's a very inviting, like comfortable um, environment. When I first came in, I just thought it was really cool. And I, I bet, like, people in their 20-somethings, like, love it because they love that kind of coffee shop um, vibe. Yeah. Like, and they like how coffee shops are and stuff. Yeah. And, and it's it's kind of great what I've, you know, we've only been open since November 17th. And I've, uh, you know, from the patrons that we've seen that are now become regulars, it's a broad range of ages, which is kind of great and nice where they're yeah. 20 to, like, 60. And we've had some... And it's kind of nice to see that, and I think one of the biggest things that um, we together wanted to push forward is, you know, I've, like Zach said, we've traveled a lot to especially breweries, like hundreds, and a lot of them have a tendency to cater just to the male population, which, yeah. I mean, that makes sense, right? Because it's predominantly male yeah. drink beer. But you, as you, like, as you know mm-hmm. and as you find, females are a population that love beer as well. Mm-hmm. And why not help cater to them as well, whether it's the feel of the place or even the beer. And I think women in general, I mean, I'd hate to say it, it's not just like, oh, they love, you know, 
sour beers or fruit beers, they do love beers like most what you think predominantly males love yeah. as well. But they just feel, um, I mean, I felt a little uh, um, almost like it was, what's the word I, I need? I was Intimidated. Intimidated, yeah. yeah. Feeling intimidated by like asking questions about the beer or mm. like trying new beers because it didn't feel as welcoming. And I think um, that's one of the biggest things we want to do here is if you come, if you've never had beer before, or you're not a huge beer person, please come in. We would love to try to find that right beer for you. And we've all started, and especially me, started off not liking beer at all because going to college, there's always just Bud Light, Budweiser, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? And so I thought that was like the only beers that we had in Oklahoma at the time. And as I started dating Zach, I realized there was more options than the yeah. tr- than what we were offered here at the time, which was like 15 years ago, you know? And I, I love that people will come in, especially husbands bringing their wives in, and they the wives loving the space and wanting to stay and hang out and then going, well, I'm going to try some beer too. I don't like mm. beer. And just going, hey, that's okay. I didn't like beer at a point too. Let's start you off with something. And then by the end of it, they find something they love, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I do like beer. Yeah. And that, that's been a multiple instances that's happened here in the last couple months is I don't want you to feel intimidated by it. Ask the, ask the questions. Yeah. I will help you find a beer that you might like, you know? And I love doing that. It's like a fun challenge for, for yeah. me is find a beer. Even though you may not love beer, um, we'll find you something you might like. Yeah, because um, I feel like beginning my craft journey – into like coffee and beer, it was like very intim- intimidating because I went to Portland. Yeah, yeah. Game face on. Yeah, get it. Yeah, and I was like, I didn't know anything, and I was like asking questions, and they they looked really like upset that I was asking questions and right. stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, that's very cool mindset because a lot of people just are discovering or on a new journey to yeah. figure out um, what craft beer is or what they like and wanna kind of mess around with their palate. So. Yeah, especially because, like you said earlier on, the craft beer scene here is just, like, growing, especially yeah. adding, like, three to five or six new breweries in the next year or so. And so educating people and also embracing them and not making them feel like they're idiots, right? Like, yeah. you go to Portland and going, ah, I feel scared asking questions, <laughs> yeah. you know? You shouldn't feel scared asking questions yeah. because it's a new thing sometimes to some people. And so making them feel like, you know, hey, that's okay. It's a good question. Let's figure out, like, how we can answer that hmm. in a nice way <laughs> Yeah, is our philosophy. <laughs> that's really cool. That's yeah. a really good philosophy. Yeah. What would you guys, even though you guys only been open for, since November. Yeah. What would you say would, um, would, would make a brewery successful? Or what, what does a successful brewery look like? Honestly, what kind of like a summary of what we just said is just making, sticking to your philosophy. If your philosophy is I want to make great loggers. Yeah. Don't undermine that. Do what you think is passionate and do, do great beers, but also have a, have a place where people can come to feel. It's like an all-around thing, right? But come to feel welcomed to drink it as well. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is I'm a person who love who's about customer service. And so when someone walks in, greeting them with a smile, sometimes creating that um, experience for them yeah. makes them love coming back. It's mm. not... It's not 
And I think that having the great beers helps support that as well. Yeah. And so it's an all-around thing for us, you know. I think that, um, and Zach's. Yeah, yeah. I think there's uh, two ways to think of it when you think of successful. Sometimes you can just think about the numbers, uh, which if the easiest way to have a su- successful brewery as far as numbers as in your profit, just make double IPAs and fruited sour beers and those things sell like hotcakes. <laughs> no, I mean, everyone likes those beers too. They're good. I just, it, they, they move. Um, but uh, as far as also successful and far as numbers and you know, being true to yourself and making mm-hmm. so something that's value in itself that may not be a number type thing. It's also just doing stuff that's authentic to you. Yeah. Um, whether maybe that's not the biggest seller for so for me, it's more like being authentic, what you like to do, and for us, and I think most people that are going to the beer world, or the service or coffee, whatever, is creating an atmosphere, serving your locals. Um, yeah, the, your community and your patrons and just having a good time around it. Because there's a lot of careers where you're not providing, you know, a, a product for people that you interact with on a day-to-day and, basis. And talking about products that you're passionate about, both Jake and Zach are both passionate about doing the beers that they love. Like like Zach said earlier, Saison's, Pilsner's, Lagers. And, and it's funny because I think that going into you know, we know we love those things. And so they they brewed those beers that they loved. And it's hard to know whether the population might like them as well. Mm. Um, but in the last couple of months, honestly, the community has embraced those type of beers that most people would go, well, I really want an IPA or I really want this. And knowing that maybe only out of the 12 that we have, we might have just one IPA. Yeah. And they're still choosing other things and liking those more, huh. which is, you know, oddly, nicely surprising for us to see that. People are trying different things and also liking those more. And so we're hoping to create that, like, I know you love this, and that's that's what the general population loves, but let's try this and see what you might think. And honestly, they've embraced it. I mean, we we make IPAs and sour beers, too. For sure. But we also like those (laughs) as well. I mean... Yeah, yeah, we like those for sure. I'm just saying about numbers, it seems like those move the fastest. Yeah. 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 What... Yeah, no, go ahead. No, I was gonna, I was gonna say, what, what is kind of like in building up the build the business? What is your biggest struggle or uh, continual struggle that you guys struggle with? Uh, Finding time. Oh yeah, I think time that's for the, sure. I think that's the biggest thing is mm. you know as we you know in the beginning when we first started, I think we all felt the necessity to do everything and all the things all the time, and we moving into it, we realized that that's draining right whether it's physically mentally or emotionally draining we all can't do that we can't go full drive the whole time you know and so we've tried to learn how to balance each other's strengths and our weaknesses to help Mm. each other find a break a a mental reprieve or even a physical reprieve from the brewery itself because I feel like it's so important if we have all those like mental and physical reprieve we can be able to be more creative but if we drain ourselves mentally it's hard to be creative um, and so I think that's one of the biggest struggles, at least I'm having, is finding that time to be able to step back just even for a little bit to be to think about the things that might be great for our future, or in our near future. And I think we've been so focused, like most new businesses are, on like making sure the business runs a day to, on a day-to-day operation, but then realizing that sometimes say, taking a step back will help with 
you know, building something for our near future and future. And so um, I think that was at least my biggest struggle. Yeah, I think, yeah, now that you say that, because Melissa practices full-time as a dentist, and then she, her after work comes here and works, or like today is her day off, so she's here working and then works Dang. on the weekends. And then I was fortunate enough to be able to resign my job as a dentist to work here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, you just get kind of caught up and just trying to get everything done, work in the brewery, then work in the tap room. I think it was, and, you know, I think everyone knows this, you got to make time for yourself, and especially your mental, uh, like Melissa said, staying creative. I think it really helped, like Aaron Post from that owns Valkyrie, he was talking about it really helped him when he was able to delegate some of the duties to other people mm-hmm. and really use some time for, um, kind of men- mental focus or just creativity you lose your creativity when you're just working all the time and yeah I I see that even myself I think the last week or two I've finally started to actually think about beer again this is the least I've actually thought about beer in the last I yeah, this last six months because you're just so focused. Yeah, focused on everything else, get, trying to get done, and yeah, uh, like oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, we gotta think of some new concepts, some something co- cool, um, something creative. Like oh yeah, I, I can't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> Too tired. Yeah, we gotta, <laughs> gotta make sure that's all cleaned up and. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll say that's the biggest struggle. That's pretty. Yeah, much. I think so. Yeah. And I'm sure Jake would probably time. say the yeah. same thing. Yeah. 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 like like yeah, Jake's obviously on the other side working right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brewing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think looking at like talking to some breweries like you wear so many hats. Yeah. That you want to wear them all. It's hard to it's hard to give up um almost sometimes you want to do everything. Yeah. And then almost like giving up control is hard to do yeah. cuz you're like, "Well, I can do that well." Yeah. But like trusting someone to do that's pretty hard too. Right. For sure, yeah. So. For sure. And I think that's the same with all businesses in reality. Like uh being able to give up like you said some of the delegate that's really what it is, to yeah. delegate the things that you know that might not be great for you to do, but maybe for someone else to do it. Um, I think that's like a struggle all, all across the board. But um, I think at least two months in, we're realizing, all right, you know, we've hired really great part-time yeah. employees. Yeah. They're awesome. Um, we love having, like, uh, great smiling faces that have been in the service industry that know, like, how to customer service and everything like that and so it's nice to have people on board like that yeah that's really cool yeah, yeah. I, I actually hadn't been in the service industry Melissa had before dentistry mm-hmm. back in the day weighted tables yeah I I guess dentistry maybe service industry but people usually lying back industry. there <laughs> with their mouth open and kind yeah. of more afraid of getting a shot rather than oh, communicating yeah. <laughs> with you and yeah. smiley face serving a beer is it little bit of different dynamics. Similar, but not, I don't know. It's very similar for me. Yeah. Just treating people well is really what, all across the board, whether it's dentistry or, or the brewery, just treat them well, and they'll come back. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. And they will also love the beer. It's, it's like mental, it's like psychological. Treat them well, create a good experience, and they'll love everything all around. Yeah, yeah, you know? it's, it's all about experience. 
Except with the dentist, yeah. I'm usually the guy that's kicking and screaming. Yeah, so they yeah, have a hard I know time what you mean. Yeah, yeah, they they. Well, me too. Now, uh, yeah. I'm not a dentist so much. I'm a patient. My wife. <laughs> yeah. So think about that. Your wife can stick needles in your mouth. Oh gosh. And, yeah. It's terrifying. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I'd be terrified. Yeah. I wouldn't want to say anything wrong or no. anything like that. Don't say anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you may lose a tooth or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wrong one. <laughs> Sorry. It's too funny. So what what made you, like, what beer was your first craft beer or made you think, wow, I want to be in this? I think uh, for me, I moved uh, from Tahlequah to Durango, Colorado, um, when I was 20, and uh, I went there to kind of, you know, do the 20-year-old thing, mountain bike and snowboard, and uh, I saw the overlap of the, uh, at the time, the microbrewery culture and the mountain bike scene, Yeah. and uh, it was kind of like Sierra Nevada, pale ale, oh. um, fat tire, of course, of being a mountain biker, like, oh man, fat tire. I wish Oklahoma had fat tire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think it was Anchor Beer's from San Francisco and Sierra Nevada and then probably New Belgium beers. Mm. And, and those were the those were considered the small craft beer breweries back then. Now they're now they're huge. Huge, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was yeah. The flavor like actually having beer that tasted different and hop character, which I I didn't really know what it was at the time. Like, oh wow. And then kind of mentally I think also being like oh the older mountain bikers I wasn't really legally old enough to drink beer but (laughs) find someone to sneak you some beer that happens yeah (laughs) Uh, but yeah something like I would say those kind of like I think that's similar to a lot of brewers you talk to like I think that's what got you I think that's what got you into it but kind of what you've been loving in the last like yeah, um, what really, I guess, being able to, I don't know, I think, um, I'm trying to remember who was the first, like, sour beers, that was really, I really liked that, and like, wild fermentation, well, yeah, wild fermentation, like, especially Saison's, Britannomyces, mm. um, we're a microbiology majors. Yeah. Like, wow. Uh, and so for that, it's just like, for us, at least for Zach, he's very science-minded. And so thinking about how the processes of each, either bacteria or yeast, and what it might do in under certain conditions, like, excites Zach that I've seen in the last, like, 10 to 15 years. Um, and so incorporating that side of Zach into the into the brewing has some, has been something I've at least seen from the objective view of, like, how he thinks about beer in that way, you yeah. know? Um, and so it's, it's I think, in the last maybe five to seven years, you've been loving, like, wild fermentation, foraging, u- utilizing bacteria or yeast from the environment has been yeah. something he's loved at yeah. least. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what, I mean, as far as, like, hoppy beers, probably, like, a lot of people, Pliny the Elder or whatnot, and then um, I'm trying to think as far as, Funky, Britannomyces, Sour Beer. I know Boulevard did some along. You know, they started off with Saison uh, Brett, and that was kind of changing. Oh, oh, yeah, well, Russian River again with 
consecration, supplication, all the mm. just like, oh my god, these wine barrel aged, yeah, um, different, you know, pediococcus, Britannomyces, and all these different cultures of yeast and bacteria. Like, oh, wow, this is great. So, yeah. Pro- yeah, I think Russian River really did a lot of stuff like that that really got me going early on. Wow, that's cool. Kind of, you you were talking about wild fermentation and stuff. Some people may not know what that is. Um, kind of describe that. And do you, yeah. you guys do you guys do it a lot in in rustic? Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I said earlier, a focus is saison and lager type things, but it's also, I guess, wild fermentation, in the sense that, um. So, probably ninety something percent of the beers that we drink are uh, are from like a single type of yeast. Yeah. Um, Saccharomyces. Well, there's a lot of yeast and bacteria out there in the world that, um, you know, cr- can ferment beer or ferment uh, the wort, the sugars that create beer and uh, create some unique flavors. Um, and so, so, like, one of them you guys did is, was a honeysuckle beer. Oh, yeah, we got some honeysuckle on our uh, back. Our back, back there's fence a back fence. I had a lot of lactobacillus. Well, I just pulled some of that off there, made a starter culture, which is um, unfermented beer. You put the uh, honeysuckle on there wow. and just see what it does. And uh, it started bubbling after a couple of days, and that usu- usually indicates some type of fermentation because it's making CO2 um, to make the bubbles. Uh, and then I tried it, and I was like, holy cow, that was full lactobacillus, which is uh, a bacteria that is kind of synonymous with sour beers or mm-hmm. even yogurts you know you can get your yeah most of the things that you might eat but I think that was with wild fermentation I think that's the biggest thing is most beer like Zach said comes from most uh, most breweries will use uh, for purchase yeast that are from vials and they'll, they'll typically populate those to add that directly into the beer so you have one strain or a couple strains of brewer's yeast or something like that but with wild fermentation you are just taking nature and and letting it whatever the yeast or bacteria that's on that specific thing whether it's honeysuckle or a flower or a fruit and adding that to just a base of giving them food and then seeing what grows letting uh, nature kind of dictate the path yeah Uh, we've recently um found some cool plants up uh, like turkey mountain here really? in Tulsa, mm-hmm. and uh, just basic, actually, just taking some basic wildflowers, um, and like like honey, um, well, honeysuckle, but um, sand plums, um, and growing some cultures off of those, so, and then let those develop, and we've inoculated a lot of wine barrels that we've got out of, um, in Oregon, mm-hmm. with wild cultures, wow. um, so, yeah. more than likely, they're going to be kind of sour beers, sour funky, yeah, um, We'll and see. those have been sitting in barrels since we opened. Yeah, since we I we got our license. brewing license, which was about the first of October, we mm-hmm. just got going and started brewing and filling up barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been sitting there now yeah. for almost four months. Yep, probably start tasting them. I don't know, maybe after the six month mark and blend barrels uh, and start doing bottle releases. But, you know, kind of letting uh, nature do its thing and mm. see where those beers go. 
hopefully in a good yeah, good place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what you hope. But yeah. the, you know, that's kind of the, the risk of, of doing those type of things. And which, on a business side, is kind of scary because you might ha- end up having to just dump you know, barrels and like hundreds and hundreds of gallons of beer because it doesn't taste right. Yeah. Um, so kind of taking a risk on that, on that side. But in the homebrewing world, I did it quite a bit, and I was... Maybe I was lucky. Maybe I had good technique. I, I'm going to say a lot more luck than good technique. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I had some good results, so I'm going to see if we can replicate that in the, uh, the larger format of, the, uh, of Heirloom's portfolio of beers. Yeah. But uh, I, think, I think it's going to work out. Yeah. So, yeah, this is spring, probably spring or so. We may s- start releasing some of those beers, so... That excites me. Yeah, we've got some other, uh, <laughs> we do a lot of um, op- open top fermentation. Um, so we may inoculate it with a regular type of brewer's yeast, like store-bought or uh, regular yeast, but then we take the top off, which sometimes allows kind of wild ambient yeast and bacteria that are in the air to uh, add some complexity or just you know, not having a lid on the top of the tank, maybe change the ester profile or something like that. And we've, we packaged some 750 milliliter bottles uh, a few weeks ago. So those will probably come out in the next month or two. Um, That's going to be our Plains beer, um, which we have batch one on tap at the brewery right now. A lot of people probably already had it, but um, Plains Batch 2 is going to come out uh, bottle release. It's quite a bit different. Um, yeah. It's it's more uh, more forward on the on the wild yeast. Got some maybe a little bit of tartness. It almost re- uh, reminds me of like a food or beer from mm-hmm. a lot of breweries, but it wasn't yeah. aged. It may have just the long air contact, like oxygen contact of being in an open fermenter for a long time. I don't know. It just it's really has cool. some yeah. Has some good flavors. Um, yeah, and that'll that'll be it. that's a fun one. So we'll see. Those are all exciting. Yeah, <laughs> I can't yeah. wait for all. Those. Yeah, they're for. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> bottle conditioning right now. It's coming along. It's yeah. only been two or three weeks. It's after the first of the year. So um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think my favorite beer when you guys first opened up. Was the Pocahontas? I think that was it. Pocahontas. Yeah. Pocahontas. Yeah. That yeah. was named after a band, by the way. Really? An all-female band. So. Oh. Yeah, we yeah. got a, you know a few people were kind of got on to us about you know cultural you know PC appropriateness. I'm like, well, I actually heard of this all-female band from a friend of mine who's actually a George Kaiser, uh, one of the artists, artist residents or whatnot, yeah. and he's like, he's half Pawnee. I'm like. I was like, man, I heard about half this. Half Pawnee, half Cherokee. Yeah, so he's well, a cool ha- Del- uh, no, no, he's not. He's <laughs> is not. It Delaware? Ha- he's Delaware. Um, Delaware. But uh, yeah, so I was like, hey, listen, I, I got, some, yeah, uh, yeah, friend of mine. But uh, so anyway, so if, if people hear that, like, oh, Pocahontas, they're not. I'm like, well, I heard about this band. It's a female band. I heard from uh, a, a friend of mine that's you know, it's Pawnee. I was like, I, yeah. he he was cool with it. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit Cherokee, but yeah, like eh, we're not trying to like poke it, like you know. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. anyways, anyway, so yeah, thanks. Yeah, that well, that's it's a good one. I think we're on our last keg of that. We are on the really? last keg of Pokemon. yeah, yeah. That was um, 
Uh, yeah, English Mile, which isn't done a whole lot. Um, it, it's a good, easy drinking beer. Um, that one we did with uh, local sorghum and sweet potatoes that were wow. roasted with um, Trey Winkle. He used to be at our bar, but he's open and he's got his own restaurant uh-huh. going. Yeah, uh, what's it? It's Ooh. pretty great. Levain. Le- 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 yeah, I don't want to butcher South. the pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a great chef. Um, we're actually, uh, wow, well, I was going to say next week, but I think this, the end of this week, he's, um, he's been uh, baking some rye bread for us. We're going to do a traditional wow. um, kvass, K V A S S, um, which incorporates a lot of uh, rye bread. I think it was a Russian beer. I don't want to say because I don't want to say it wrong. But um, wow, yeah, it's a low alcohol beer, like two or three percent alcohol. Um, we actually might use some bread yeast to ferment some of it. So I don't know, but we'll brew that later this week with yeah. the help of Trey's product. Yeah, so. that's really cool. That's exciting. Yeah. What would you guys say is like? so far from November is like one of your staples, some of your staple beers or that people like just absolutely love? Well, of course, uh, IPA. <laughs> it <laughs> sold out. The, the, I think about the fastest. That was a beer Sticky called Bottles. Sticky Bottles. Mm-hmm. And the oh, name yeah, for that, I like that came one. from um, last... So Jake moved in with us um, this last spring, spring, I guess spring of 2017. And... Uh, I, of course, was watching the uh, Tour de France in July, and uh, there's a move in cycling, especially when you're going up mountain climbs. So as a cyclist, you you get a water bottle from the team car, and you hold on to it for a long time to kind of give yourself a break. Yeah. And the commentator's like, oh, it looks like there's a sticky water bottle, because, you know, he's just hanging on to the water bottle. Yeah. And I was like, yep, yeah, it's old sticky bottles. And Jake's like, that would be a really good beer name. (laughs) So uh, Sticky Bottles or IPAs killed it, but I think across the board we haven't. Across the board, it just depends on the day. There are like moments where the lager is leading leading the sales for that day, like caves. And there are moments where the, um, what was the other one? The Our Porter, Under His Eye, sold out as well. Oh, that one's Um, good. mm Mm-hmm. But, and, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, been great. Like Sky Islands or mm-hmm. Dry Which Hop, Saison, mm-hmm. uh, Brett Condition, Saison. That's been the one the last week people have been just, like, loving. Yeah. Uh, Sky Islands has been going. I thought I would be like, oh, this will definitely be the top seller, but Subgenre has been doing great. It's mm-hmm. our, um, man, that's kind of in a weird place because it's fermented with Trappist ale yeast, mm-hmm. kind of Abbey yeast. But it's dry hop, so it's kind of hoppy. It's not an IPA. It's not a Trappist beer. Um, and then Barking Water's been doing really well. Mm-hmm. That's a what's the higher ABV um, English Old Ale that Jake stuck around and boiled it for like eight or ten hours mm-hmm. or something. Surprising, a lot of like the relatively lower ABV ones, people have been just loving, and I think that's what we don't want to like nail people with like ten percent beers all the time. You yeah, know? and again, that's not part of our concept. Our philosophy is we want to make sure people are enjoying the beer in a fun community environment. But if you nail people with ten percent beers all the time, they're going to be wasted. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is fine, I guess. But um, but I think yeah, it's been weird every week. 
every day changes a little bit on what's doing well that day. That's cool. Um, yeah, which is nice and surprising because you would think like all the time, you know, people still do come in and ask for what's your IPA. Okay. And I found this on the web for witches finding. <laughs> oh, Siri. Yeah, oh, Siri. Siri. Thanks, Siri. Siri. Well, thank you, Siri. Siri knows. <laughs> but, but um, it's just funny and weird that people do come in and ask for IPAs and telling them that we have this. Let's try out this as well. And they'll go, oh, I do like this better. And it's not even an IPA. Yeah. You know? And so it's kind of funny. Again, like don't it. worry, we have IPAs. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I, I was surprised with Barking Water, man. People have been buying a lot of that and uh, drinking a lot of that. Um, Barking Water is our English Old Ale. Yeah. Um, like I said, the Long Boil by Jake. Um, bar- <clears throat> Barking Water, the name name from that uh, came, or the name for that came from an ind- independent film with. Um, uh, produced or direct probably produced and directed i don't know exactly by sterling hardjo who hmm. a local filmmaker okay um, he mm-hmm. presented like the sundance film festival and stuff i believe oh, wow. but it uh, it has sorghum in it local sorghum from wawoka oklahoma um and the name of the sorghum is barking water um so it's the wawoka is the capital of like the Seminole Nation the Oklahoma Seminole Nation wow, I didn't know um, yeah so and we were fortunate enough um, Sterling came down one day and kind of uh, helped us out made a little cameo for us and uh, cool. poured the uh, barking water sorghum into the fermentation tank so you know just trying to do uh, stuff like that that's fun for us and uh, yeah I, I, yeah we woke up, like, like I said Seminole Nation, mm-hmm. sorghum. There's some history behind that, but I'll get talking too long, so I'll just keep it <laughs> keep it short of that about uh, history of yeah <laughs> Seminole Nation, which I, I don't know all that much about, but yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you say is your guys' favorite brew method to brew? Um, and talk about the cookies a little bit, because. There's something cool you guys do with cookies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with the cookies, and you know the brew method. <laughs> but, so, our good friends, the bake shop ladies, the Emilys and Morgan, they're amazing, by the way. If you haven't had their stuff, you can have it at the uh, Kitchen 66, their temporary location, and then they'll have a permanent location, actually down the street from us, in Kendall Whittier, called the Mother Road. And Ooh, they are great. Um, bake the Shop, was it Bake, bake Shop, shop Tulsa? Mm-hmm, bake Shop Tulsa. And so they're part of, like, this fun thing that the, I think it's the Kaiser Foundation, is that right? I don't know. It was a foundation that helped entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, build businesses that didn't have the backing or funding to, you know, build a kitchen because it's expensive. Mm. And so Bake Shop, knowing Morgan for a long time, we knew that they actually, both of the two of them worked at, they were the pastry chefs for Stone Horse. And they, when we knew, when we first knew they were opening up something, we approached them and said, hey, we would love to carry something inside the brewery um, that was your product. And they came and we sat down and, and like, started talking about what we wanted. And I was like, honestly, we love spent grain cookies, Mm. you know, and we have a lot of it, like a lot of spent grain. Because most spent grain either gets donated to farmers, which we donated to a farmer. farmer. And so, and we donate some to the local um, vegetable garden over here for composting and also now to the bake shop. 
and they were like, yeah, that would be really great. They hadn't really worked a lot with beer spent grain before. Okay. And so they, they started doing test batches and, and letting us try it, which I don't mind trying test batches of chocolate chip cookies, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so uh, they started using our spent grain and created their signature chocolate chip cookie, which is from our spent grain mm. per our request. And so uh, we do typically have it here every single week. This week we didn't, but... Um, they they normally have it as well at their shop um, at Kitchen 66, but that's really where the spent grain cookie came from. And they do make spent grain dog treats as well with our spent oh. grain. Yeah, they're trying to find new concepts to use with our spent grain as well. Yeah. And so it's kind of cool. great to see that, and I love that cookie. If you haven't had it, you need to yeah, try that spent grain cookie. Yeah, if you're, if you're cookie. home brew and you like dump the grain in your yard, your dogs will get into it. They, yeah. And then the farmer that picks up our grain is talking about how his dogs how his, get in the grain. His dogs. Yeah, his pigs love it. <laughs> yeah, his pigs, and I think probably, I'm assuming cattle as well. Yeah, and his, his dogs get into this. Because there's a lot of leftover sugars in there, so it's kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's cool. But about your brewing method, though? Uh, brewing method, I mean, pretty standard, you know, mash ton. Although we're we're pretty primitive, but we don't have all the automated gadgets. Um, uh, brewing is kind of a workout because uh, the mash... Mashing, we're actually up there, you know, mashing hundreds of pounds of grain with the uh, by hand mash paddle, swirling around, lifting the bags. Um, so you know, mash tun, boil kettle, that's pretty standard. Going into a, you know, chilling it out, going to a fermenter. But I, I think as far as method or, or one of the processes in that, that's a little bit different that we. Open fermentation. Yeah, that we do is open fermentation. Um, we actually use these uh, wine tanks. I think they're, I'm assuming they're Italian. I don't know. They, they may not be. But, um, yeah, we do a lot of our beers with open fermentation um, in these wine tanks. So you don't have a, a lid or a top on it. Um, and also just using time, really, just letting beer sit for a long time. Or, yeah, so um, a lot of times quick turn you got to get the beers turn let them ferment down mm. put them in the packages which is majority of beers won't need to you know go uh, be produced that way but like i said when i was talking about the plains batch two um we have a i guess kind of a sour beer um on draft it's called devil snare which is kind of it's a blend of a cavique which is a belgium farmhouse beer and we blended it with a belgium farmhouse beer um you know, kind of like a little saison, but it, we blended those together. Um, put some is that pea berry tea, mm-hmm. which makes the beer oh. uh, turn a gray color. But both of those, the both of those base farmhouse beers were open fermented, and just let them sit for a long time. And a lot of times, the end, the end result you get uh, is my uh, preference. <laughs> uh, but it's only on certain. You, you wouldn't yeah. want to like let it. I don't know. IPA or um, I don't know certain types of beers set for a long time because they'd go bad yeah. but certain beers um, maybe even like a Pilsner that might need to sit and let, let the yeast do its thing um, especially when you get into farmhouse beers or or mixed culture beers and let the different bacteria and yeast have time to do their thing mm-hmm. um, I, I would say as far as method I guess maybe letting time do its thing a lot of times we're 
I was like, oh, we need to hurry up and get something going. Or, or, we have 12 drafts here at the tap room, but we have, what, one or two empty right now? We need mm-hmm. to get some beers going. But um, letting time, letting Mother Nature do her thing. And, and at the same time, another, uh, another process that takes a little longer is we keg condition a lot of our beers, mm. which um, when you keg the beer or package it or bottle or whatnot, you let the yeast yeah. naturally make the, the carbonation to carbonate the beer. That takes a little longer than forced carbonating. Mm. Um, a, lot, a lot of our beers we also obviously um, force carbonate because that's what it needs to, what needs to be done. But um, let's see, we packaged... Yesterday, a uh, a pilsner, a mix, uh, a Brett conditioned pilsner that we're letting keg condition, um, letting the uh, hopefully the Brett primarily makes the CO two to carbonate the beer. Yeah. Um, and then we did a uh, a beer that uh, is actually primarily champagne yeast and Britannomyces. Whoa. Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be. Hopefully it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, cool. that's gonna be uh, keg condition as well, and so that type of beer I can't say oh it'll be ready in seven days for sure because the carbonation might or the conditioning the fermentation inside the keg might take a little bit longer, so that beer might come out in a week, might be two weeks, hopefully not yeah. more than three, so somewhere in there. That's really cool. So um, yeah. Overall, our methods aren't much different than anyone else. It's <laughs> just, I don't know, sometimes we let Mother Nature guide the way on, on a lot of things, I guess. Yeah. Maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's a little <laughs> bit different. I don't, I don't know. But we are, like I said, we are brewing beers that a lot of times Mother Nature can dictate things. Yeah. Certain beers, you know, wouldn't brew an amber beer and let it sit, you know, months or whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, how can how can people find out what you guys are doing or where are you guys located? Yeah, um, so we have several routes for that. Social media is our biggest route where we will um, announce any new things or any events coming up. Um, we also do have a website, the www.heirloomrusticales.com, that will also have all those posted, what beers we have on tap, um, any events that we have going on, and any, any information associated with that. Um, and so those are the two main routes of getting information about what we're doing right now, yeah. so to speak. And, you know, uh, the events that we typically have, again, part of our philosophy is to um, involve the community. And so a lot, most of our events are actually local events where we've worked with other um, entrepreneurial small businesses, whether it's like this coming Saturday, we're having a pet adoption with the Humane Society of Tulsa. Wow. Mm-hmm. And we also have had, the last couple months, we've had uh, markets, like small business Saturday markets or Christmas mm. markets that involve like fi- sometimes 13 to 15 local vendors that are small wow. business people. That's really cool. And so we'll try to do things like that to help kind of build Tulsa in, in essence and, and incorporate people that people know that there are other things here that you can like see and enjoy and everything like that and I love that we can have that uh, venue for people Um, especially because you know people like to drink beer why not also show them things that there's also great about Tulsa whether it's an artist or 
it's a product or it's another small business, whether it's a coffee shop, like we use Fairfellow's cold brew coffee and mm. Tinder resume, and also our local floral shop. And it's just great things that we'll, we'll be doing in the next future, in the near future of events coming up. And so all you can find all of that on our website or social media. Yeah, Facebook and our Instagram. And Instagram. And Instagram posts are pretty good. Jake writes all those. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's better with words than me. Uh, I'm, as you can tell by this interview, I'm usually like, my descriptions for beer would be like, that is good. That is hobby. <laughs> Jake has an yeah, English degree. He's better with, uh, with words. I have the science uh, background. I'm like, to, yeah, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> yeah, follow us on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, it's it's worth it. The, the it's pictures, worth it. And pictures yeah. are stories. pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Stories. Yeah. I mean, your your space is pretty cool. So, thank you. Um, thank you. I mean, you could take some nice photos and yeah, in this place. Yeah. So. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah, well, it hel- helps having uh, Jake. Well, helps having Jake in many ways, but it has it helps having him over there working right now, and writing descriptions of things because he's good. <laughs> Good, uh, great with words. <laughs> That's funny. If not, then Melissa would probably have to write descriptions for everything. <laughs> Mine wouldn't be so great. <laughs> well, I want to thank you guys for being right. on the Loki podcast, taking yeah. your time out of your busy schedule just wow, to sit thanks down. Thanks for coming down. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. We're and, excited. And you guys are doing cool things, so I hope people come and check it out. Yeah, thanks, no, thank man. you so much. We appreciate it. All right. I'll see you guys later. All right. Kudos. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks. <laughs> Hey guys, thanks again for listening to the Low Key Podcast. Now, if you're ever in Tulsa, go check out Heirloom Rustic Ales. Go drink a beer, go try some of their new beers, and try some of their delicious cookies. You won't regret it. Also, check them out on Instagram and Facebook. See what they're up to. See kind of what they're doing and what events are going on. If you subscribe to us... Go rate and review our podcast. Give us some feedback and give us five stars. It'll help us out. Also, if you listen to this podcast and don't subscribe, subscribe to us on iTunes. And also, go check out our Instagram. Go check out all our social media pages. Also, go check out our website, which may have vlogs and new swag, low-key swag, maybe coming out in the near future. Also, give us some feedback on some places that you'd like like us to check out or, or see low-key at. Well, that's it in low-key land, guys. Keep it nice. Keep it easy. Keep it low-key.